Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the PHNX Coyotes podcast brought to you by the one and only DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and leave a five-star review. I'm Leah Merrill here with Craig Morgan and Steve Peters. How are you both doing today? It's been a busy morning already for you too, right, Petey? Yeah. Yeah, every day is a busy morning during this playoff stretch here. It seems like there's more hockey now than during the hockey season. Hmm. Hey, what the hell is going on, Craig? Too much. So much. It's the best time of the year, but it's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. So it, it is good. It's it, And it's good we have a place to talk about hockey and actually where people want to hear about it. So Exactly. Fun. So we'll talk about the NHL playoffs today. We'll talk about the World Championships today because there's men, many Coyotes um, represented there and some other news. So should we just dive right into it? Yeah, let's go. All right. Well, let's start with Coyotes-related news um, because there was some, um, which is that Ivan Prozatov was given a one-year contract extension with the team. He's 23 years old. He only played three games with the Coyotes this past season. Didn't have great numbers either with Arizona or with Tucson um, this season, but both teams obviously had tough years. So thoughts on the Prosvitov extension. Well, I, I think Ivan Prosvitov's stock has fallen a bit in this franchise. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a, a there was a time where he was considered the goaltender of the future, and they were in love with him. And you know, I know that was under the previous regime, but even when Bill Armstrong took over initially, they were high on this guy. But they kind of feel like he's plateaued a little bit, uh, maybe even regressed a little bit. Um, he's working with a new goaltending development coach that can have an impact on a guy, as you mentioned, Leah playing in a tough situation. Um, Tucson had a lot of youth to begin with, and then a lot of guys were called up. So not easy, but consistency has been a problem. Some of his technique has been a problem. And to me, you know, somebody asked me in my mailbag if they thought this one-year deal meant he was going to be the backup in the NHL. And to me, this one-year deal looks like, hey, it's, it's time for you to take a step up here. It's time for you to prove something. Otherwise, you may not be back with this organization. Yeah, I, I look at this, Craig, the same way. He's 23 years old right now. He's a guy that you looked at when he first came into his first training camp. You go, oh, my God, this kid's athletic. He, his work ethic is second to none. Wow, maybe there's something here. Incredibly athletic, athletic and flexible. And wow, maybe, maybe let's see. Okay, well, 
look at his numbers this year in the American League. His save percentage was 880. That's not a strong save percentage, let alone in the American League. And his, save, his goals against average was 3.66. I mean, th- those numbers are not good. And you look at his NHL numbers, I think his NHL numbers are skewed. He's played six games in the league, goals against average above four, save percentage below 8.65. He plays on the road. He plays plays good teams. So let's throw that out. This, I think, is exactly what you said. It's one year to go back and go, okay, we've invested a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of effort, a lot of our development staff time, effort, money into this kid. We got to give it a chance. We got to see if there is something here because the last thing you want to do is goalies mature later. He's 23. Like there is still time for this this player to be an everyday goaltender in the NHL. Absolutely. At 23 years old, there's still time. What you don't want to do is give up on him now. Then he goes, tears it up the next two years for another team in the American League. And the time he's 27, he's a starting goalie in the NHL. That's what you don't want. Um, I think this is going to be. A situation where he's he is in the American League, he is starting and he's playing all the time, all the time. And maybe this franchise does not have the injuries that it had and the call ups that they had, and it has a little better opportunity in the American League to compete. Like you said, they have a new goalie coach down there. Maybe this fine tunes his game. He gets over the hump. He's got a better team. They start winning. When they're winning, he feels better. He plays better. Maybe. So I, I think this is the that's why I got a one year extension. It's one more kick at the can. Let's see what we got and let's see if this pans out. So classic yeah. goalies, right? Just yeah. you, you don't know. You don't know with, with goaltenders. And then the drafts a crap shoot anyway, but with goaltenders, like we've we've talked about this a ton of time on the show. The Kaites have they haven't drafted a good goaltender. Uh, they've drafted a couple guys who've made it to the NHL, but like we, we talked about this, Robert Esch may be the best goalie they've ever drafted. It just shows you, I mean, <laughs> both it shows you how, how poorly the Coyotes used to draft and how difficult it is to pinpoint good goaltenders at this early stage of their development. Yeah, and by the way, you go back to his draft in 2018 – like he's still played more games in the NHL at six than the other goalies in that draft. I mean, he's still, you'd have to arguably say he's the best goalie from that draft. And that's not saying much. And that's what, again, it, it takes time. It just takes time. So, you know, you look at how important as we go through the playoffs, how important goaltending is when this team is ready to win and they've, done well in the draft and they've developed and they have the right pieces around them they'll find a goalie it doesn't have to be a guy that they drafted they'll find a goalie to get them to the promised land they're there you might pay for them but they're going to be there they're going to be able to get a goaltender this franchise has done if not done one thing they've got goalies that are gone and, and out of the league and the american league and backups and they've done such a good job as a franchise the one thing they've done over and over and over again has been able to resurrect goaltenders so do it again do it again when you're ready to win so i'm not too worried about it i want to see what this kid has if it doesn't pan out move on and there'll be another guy yeah and i think that's what the one-year deal says it's they're not committing to him long term but committing to him enough to see what he can prove. And I think if Tucson has a better year, what we expected Tucson to have a better year at the start of last season, but we couldn't have predicted everything that happened with the injuries and the call-ups. If all things are equal and Tucson has a solid year and he starts all the time to see how he performs in that situation will be really telling. Um, So Prozitov, one more year at least, and we'll – 
take it from there. Speaking of Coyotes goalies, one of them, two of them, are in the world championship right now. And at the time we're recording this, we know how some of the games have gone. But before we get into the world championships and how the Coyotes have done, these are the ones who are there. We got Hari Sauteri for Finland, Mosier for Switzerland, Alex Galchenyuk for the U.S., Karel Vamelka for the Czech Republic, or Czechia as they're calling them, um, Dyson Mayo for Canada, Shane Doan is the Canada GM, Andre Turini is the assistant coach for Canada, and the quarterfinals are going on today, and some of the games have already concluded. Yeah, what a, uh, I don't know if you guys are paying attention to Canada, Sweden, but that, I mean, Canada was out shooting, out playing Sweden most of that game, but they couldn't get anything past Dolmark. And then they get two goals in the final two minutes to tie it up. They were down three, nothing actually initially in that game. They get two goals in the final two minutes. And then they win it in OT when, you know, Willie Nylander takes a penalty, a tripping penalty for Sweden. I thought Canada was out. I just I was watching the way that game was progressing, and I didn't think they had a chance. So so good for them. This has become a thing with uh, Shane Doan teams, by the way, and in, in international competition where they they rally late and and come back from the dead. So Canada's on to the semifinals. We'll see that what they can do, and Karel Vemelka also on to the semifinals. Jetia uh, had a relatively easy win over Germany today. He didn't he didn't face a lot of work. Yeah, four to one. He had twenty one saves on twenty two shots. Um, he's played really well throughout this tournament though and in one of the things when you talk about development of players is you want them to play meaningful games at the end of the season you'd prefer that they would be in the stanley cup playoffs but if they're not this is important for players development to go and play in a world championship and what we've seen this year maybe more so than other years is both canada and the u.s having a hard time filling these rosters and they weren't able to get their first, second, or maybe even third pick at different positions. And I and I, I really blame what the world and what the hockey world has been through over the last 48 months, uh, you know, 24 months, excuse me, last two years with COVID and restrictions and games. And guys are tired. Like the, these seasons have been shortened, you know, with Olympics and crammed. And guys are tired. Guys needed a break from hockey. And, I, and I'm not surprised to see this with the world championships. But when you talk about a player like Karel Vomelka, incredibly important for his development to play meaningful games right now. And and I think he's he stood the test. He's got a save percentage above almost at 93, and he's got goals against averages 1.53 um, leading up to today's game. So he's playing very well. You know, it's always bothered me that the World Championships are running while the Stanley Cup playoffs are still yeah. going. I get it. You, you know, if you put them after it, you like you said, Peter, you're extending the season for players who are already exhausted, and there's got to be some some downtime, some off season. But I mean, you, you're starting it during the quarterfinals. It's it's kind of crazy that you've got eight teams that you can't pick from, and and theoretically, theoretically, even 16 teams if you're talking about camps and what it takes to get over there and get prepped for the World Championship. I I just don't get it, and I I think you know people complain that. The U.S. and Canada don't take the world championship as seriously as uh, some of the European nations. Well, I think this is part of the reason. This is a big part of the reason. They just can't get guys over there. It's it, it, it's hard. It's hard to go, especially when they're in Europe. You know, occasionally they're in the in, in North America, but it's it, it, it's hard right after the NHL season or even during the NHL season to to get enough players to field these teams. And there are a lot of Canadians and Americans, obviously, playing in the NHL. 
Yeah, and you look at it, this is a big deal in Europe. It does well. Television ratings are great. It's easier to get players. You see players finishing up and flying over there and playing the next day for European teams. It is a big deal. And and I don't know if that's ever going to change, Craig. I don't know if it will ever change. The one thing that a team like Canada can do is Team Canada can put a little more pressure on you and go, oh, you want to be considered for the Olympics next time? Well, guess what? You might want to think about playing for the World Championships. So... I think that that helps Team Canada. It gets them at some point. Um, we'll see how they do again. They won, they won last year, and here they are off to the semis. So you never know. Um, it's not as closely watched, unfortunately, here in North America because right now it's about playoff hockey. That's what it's about here in North America. It's about playoffs. And I know those guys that we talked about, J.J. Mosier's getting valuable minutes. Dyson Mayo's getting valuable minutes. He's plus eight, a couple of points. Like these guys are playing valuable minutes in important games right now. And that's fantastic for Coyote fans because they're getting an opportunity to continue their development. So I think it's a great thing for the players that are there, especially for this franchise. Um, so, you know, take it for what it's worth. And hopefully when everybody gets back here ready to play in September, October, they're ready to go. And this is just another step to, to help them improve their game. Exactly. And I hope that Vimalka has a good tournament and can kind of build some confidence um, from this. I'm sure he's feeling a bit more comfortable back in a European situation that he originally came from. And for all these players like Mosier and Mayo, who, you know, up until this year weren't playing for NHL teams. So to, for them to have that development is really, really valuable. Um, any notes on the world championship before we move on? Okay. So we're going to talk about the NHL playoffs, which I know we've been doing every single day pretty much on our shows, um, but we're going to dive a little bit deeper. And there were some amazing games last night. And it's funny because last night when the Avalanche Blues game went to overtime. I opened my DraftKings Sportsbook app and St. Louis is obviously the underdog. And I considered for a brief second putting money on the Blues because it's at that point, it's, you know, a toss up. And I didn't. And I should have because I would have won some good money if I did. But it just goes to show how the odds are ever changing on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So you're always getting the most up-to-date odds. You can bet on the NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs, the WHL playoffs, and so much more. Um, so if you're not on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, now is the time to download it with all of this hockey and basketball and playoffs and competitions going on. It's a great time. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Bet $5 on any team to win. Get $150 in free bets if they do. And all customers can place a same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hitch. So you don't want to miss out on that offer. That's for new and existing customers. So be sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code PHNX, bet $5 on any team to win, any NBA team to win their game. Get $150 in free bets if they do. 21 and over, Arizona only, gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit, eligibility, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for more details. All right, wow. let's <laughs> start with... The Colorado-St. Louis game because it's the most recent one. It's fresh on everyone's minds. And what a game. What a sequence of events. Many turning points. Some we've saw one of the best goals 
ever. Mm -hmm. Um, And to me, just starting off the conversation, it is so upsetting that that unbelievable goal doesn't get to be considered as the winning goal or a goal in a win that a series clinching win. And it just was a deflating feeling. And that's coming from me who I don't really have like a vetted rooting interest, but I can only imagine how Avalanche fans are feeling today. So I'll I'll pass it over to you both because I know you have some thoughts on this one. You first, Petey. Well, I'm frustrated. And I, I, I think if, if you're a Colorado Avalanche coach, player, fan, you go, we have to win that game. Like you're at home with a three goal lead. You have to win that game. There, there are so many, you talked about turning points. Yeah. Well, yeah, just, just close this thing out. I think the team, I don't think they defended very well. I think Darcy Kemper did not give his best performance of the playoffs. And that is a concern. And here's what St. Louis blues now have. This is the team that's won the cup. They're experienced. They've been there before. They have put doubt in Colorado's mind. That's it. They put doubt and that's enough sometimes to help get you over the hump. They're going back to St. Louis right now and Colorado's on a plane going, shit, this is the second round. We can't get through a second round. What is it with us in the second round? And once you start getting that self-doubt, man, there is trouble. This is a game, even after they give up the tying goal on the pulled goal, you go, oh, McKinnon, coast to coast, phenomenal. Well, we're going to, Colorado's going to win. We're under two minutes. They're going to win the game. How could they not with the uh, the energy in the building and they had to take five minutes just to clean up the hats and you're thinking this is a storybook moment. And, and maybe that's it too. Maybe that five minutes really hurt them. Maybe that momentum swing of, of you know, allowing St. Louis to calm them, to calm themselves down on the bench. Maybe that hurt them. I, I don't know, but you're right, Leah. That building erupted, the team erupted, the player erupted, and they just didn't defend well enough and you go back and watch the film their ability to help protect the net front and i know darcy needs to make those saves he absolutely needs to make those saves he can't kick out the rebounds but you got to be under sticks and you got to be putting guys through the wall in front of them you can't stand there i'm not going to let you stand there referees are not going to call that if you get under that guy stick and you push him out of the way i'm telling you they're not going to call that they they needed to do a better job of defending and and i they just didn't yeah to, and and looking at particular players um you know listen eric johnson was getting lauded for the shots that he was blocking late in that game but nobody talked about the fact that eric johnson had two coverage blown coverages that led to goals. And it, like you said, Petey, get under sticks. What are you doing? You're supposed to be the guy that defends the front of the net well. And he blew a couple of coverages. Kale McCarr blew a coverage. Uh, and when you're talking about Darcy Kemper, like when I look at the goals, the overtime goal was a terrible goal. He can't give yeah. up that goal. He saw it. They're like, oh, through traffic. No, there was no traffic. He just got beat clean on a shot from that distance. That can't happen to an NHL goaltender. He lost track of the puck somehow. He wasn't tracking it well, and that's a bad goal. That's on him. But some of those others, like the game-tying goal with uh, just over a minute left, I mean, it's a shot from the side of that that bounces off his chest from tight. There's no way you know where that puck's going. What the hell are your defensemen doing in front of the net if they're not tying up guys in front of the net? There was some bad coverage by Colorado. This was one of the things that we talked about with Colorado at the start of the season, you know, and and I know they made some additions to their blue line, but do they defend well enough? Can they, can they do those things in tight defensively? Or is it, is this just a team that's going to outscore you uh, with its skill? Well, wow. They, they failed 
in multiple instances to protect this lead. And like you said, now St. Louis is going home and, and Colorado's four and zero on the road in the playoffs. So they've been a really good road team. Granted two of those wins are over at Nashville, but they won twice in St. Louis already. So keep that in the back of your mind. But if this gets to a game seven, you remember how St. Louis won the cup? They won game seven in Boston. They know how to do this. If it gets to a game seven, there's going to be a whole lot of doubt in that Colorado dressing room. And St. Louis has been here before. Yeah, they have to win this game in St. Louis. To me, Colorado has to win in St. Louis. And they need a huge game from their goalie because they can't go into the next round of the Western Conference Finals with any doubt on their goalie. And I'm going to leave goalie people with one thought here. It's a drum I beat all the time. And I've had this argument with NHL goalies, NHL goalie coaches, and I've had it in the coaches' room in the National Hockey League. What in the hell is with the reverse VH? <laughs> you look at the, the tying goal, and you talked about that rebound coming off of him. If what in the he's six foot five. If he has his, when I was a young goalie, and believe me, I'm in not the same conversation, but I was taught have my shoulders square to the shooter. You cover the most space. Well, goalies don't learn that anymore. And if you go back and I want people to go on YouTube and look at where Darcy Kemper is when that shot is taken, shot is taken just above the goal line. If his shoulders, if he's standing up like a, like you go back to Jerry Cheevers back in the seventies, Jerry Cheevers is five foot, nothing. And he would be squared up to that shot, shoulders facing shot, and he'd be standing up, and that puck would have hit him right in the winged, the wheeled B. And the game would have been over. Series over, and they're celebrating. Darcy Kemper's on his knees at six foot five, on his knees with his shoulders facing the middle of the ice, up the ice, not the shooter, at the middle of the ice. You can't control the rebound. When you can't get the guy who's on the right of the crease who scores the goal, because you can't get there, I don't understand. I need to sit down, and I'm actually going to call a goalie coach today because I don't understand why he's in that position. I don't get it. They'll say, well, he's got to protect the front of the net. Well, he clearly didn't because it went well, in. they will say he's got to protect it. You know, part of the reason is so that he can get to the other side more quickly, right? Well, he didn't. Didn't. That's- and that's my argument, Craig. If he's standing up and he takes that in the, in the avalanche crest, this series is over and the game is over. There is no overtime. It's over. Here's the other so, side that you and I both know about goaltending philosophy. One of the basic rules, like, you know, how, when you play a two-on-one, goalie's got the shooter. Goalie's got a shooter. Has the pass across. Yeah. So why in this situation is this, the goaltender suddenly worrying about the pass across? It's just Your what they job do, is Stop the shooter. That's what it is. That, that's the reverse VH. And I've had, and this is why I get frustrated. And again, I'm not there. That's why I get frustrated because the argument from every goalie coach has always been, well, statistic, and it is, it's an analytic thing. It's about analytics. It's about covering the lower third of the net. It's about taking away the better opportunities that are yep. there on the ice. That's yep. what it is. It's about numbers and a numbers game. You take away the lower third of the ice and you protect for the second shot that's going to come from a rebound in front of the net or off to the side. That's what it's about. I get it. And that's what will be thrown at me all the time. And my arguments always, if you don't stop the first one, don't worry about the second one. You stop the first one first. And that's what I, I'm kind of joking. I'm not a goalie coach. I'm sitting doing this from home. So clearly I'm not the expert. I just get frustrated. And I'm an avalanche fan. I, I want I want Darcy Kemper to make that save. And I want him to make the save in overtime. This team, th- th- I tell you what, now here's the other problem. We talk about psychologically, they had a three-goal lead at home. Like at what lead is going to be enough in St. Louis? In game six, what is it? Is it they're going to have to be up by, if they're up by two going into the third, is, are they still doubting themselves? Is it three? Is it four? Like, what is the number where, okay, we can, we can, we're going to be okay here. And, and how late in the game? 
that's all you need is that doubt. And then on the other side, St. Louis has such confidence in their ability to come from behind now. And they know that they can do it because not only they've done it now, they've done it in the year that they won the cup. Their confidence has risen. They're, they're, they're down a game going home. I, I have to give the psychological edge to the blue notes right now. I, I don't know. I, and I, 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 I'm concerned Colorado's a better team, but this is what they needed to do to win the series. We said Darcy Kemper needs to make that one big save. That's what and, they needed to win the series. And all I can think about is how last summer when Colorado gave up what they did to get Darcy Kemper and all the Avalanche fans feeling like that was the missing piece. And I'm not saying like Darcy Kemper's one you know, bad game in these playoffs so far. But if I'm an Avalanche fan today, I'm thinking about all that was given up. Like they they went all in and this has to be the team that gets it done. Um, so that would be my biggest stress point as an Avalanche fan this week. And, you know, obviously I'm a little deferential because DNBR is our sister station and I really like the DNBR Avalanche crew. So I hope that the avalanche win this series but we will see um what yeah, happens flip side right if tomorrow. they lose the coyotes draft pick moves up oh. that's true oh. <laughs> silver lining and speaking of draft picks that the coyotes have late in the first round how's that for a segue into the carolina series? hurricanes look at you craig with the you segues. should do this for a living craig yeah. <laughs> i'm terrible at it well Obviously, a really important game five um, between the Hurricanes and the Rangers. Carolina so far six and zero at home, outscoring opponents twenty two to seven. However, they have not won on the road yet. But good good news for Carolina; they are have home ice advantage. So, <laughs> you know, interesting series. It'll be a really big game tonight, but. I just, at this point, I just assume that the home team's going to win every single one of these games. There are a couple things to look for today. A couple of keys to the series. And one of the things Carolina has an advantage at is, is when they are able to match up their lines against the opponent's top lines, they're much more successful <clears throat> at defending the middle of the ice and the front of their net. Zibanejad, Zibanejad Kreider, and Vitrano were off the scoreboard for both games in Carolina because they couldn't get the puck. They were defended so well. The puck was against the wall. It was, it was, they couldn't get to the interior. That's something to look for today. But the Rangers jumbled their lines for game three, put them back for game four. They made an adjustment on their kid line. Their top three lines right now are all getting offense. You can't take your checking line and play them against three lines. You can't. I give a slight edge. Craig won't like this. I give a slight edge to the New York Rangers. One, because their offense is finally waking up and it's three deep um, since they moved Mott with the kid line with Heedle. I, I think that's really got that line sparked. We got Cop. The Cop Cop was out of his mind. He's got his career high in points in the playoffs right now. So that line's playing well. And the Zabinajad's got goals in back-to-back games. And more importantly, the Rangers are winning the power play battle. They've got goals, power play goals in two straight games. Carolina in this series has not scored a power play goal. They're 0 for. They're 0 for 9 in this series. And questions in the press conference, press conference, uh, questions to the coach before the game, during the game, and the after the game are about the power play. And when you start talking about the power play, people are thinking about the power play. And we talked about it just now with Kemper and getting in people's heads. 
It's in the Carolina Hurricanes' heads about their power play. So what does a power play player do? They tighten their stick. They try to do more. They try to make a perfect play. They try to make passes that aren't there. They try to do more. And when you try to do more, less happens. And look what happened to Florida with their power play. 100% exactly the same thing. You're thinking about it too much. The more you think, the less it performs. So because of those two things, I'm giving a slight edge to the Rangers in this series. So... If you've been following me along for this entire thing, go put all your money on Carolina. Well, I mean, like I said earlier, if if this comes to to pass, these two series turn like you guys think they might, the Coyotes could be picking 26 and 27 in the first round instead of 31, 32. <laughs> so not a bad Listen. thing. Not a bad thing to move up. Have we heard any more on Frederick Anderson today? Does anybody know? I haven't looked. I've been too busy. Yeah, I don't know if if it's Ranta again. Although he's been, he has definitely not been the problem in this series. No, Ranta's no, been solid. Been yeah, so it's not goaltending. You mean Andy Beach? <laughs> oh yeah, that's his um, his Instagram. Yeah, that's great. Is that? So yeah, that that series will be one to watch tonight. And then Calgary. I mean, the Battle of Alberta has been a fascinating, fascinating series. I personally did not expect Calgary to be down three to one at any point um really surprised by that so i mean this series has it, it not played out the way that i thought it would markstrom hasn't been who he was during the regular season um it's i mean i'm i can't yeah. see calgary coming back from this i just yeah I, I can because they still have two of the three games at home but Man, you got to figure out a way to slow. I don't know if there is a way to slow down Connor McDavid, but Petey mentioned this previously that they're not staying above him. You can't be and you can't be attacking him. You can't come at Connor McDavid. You you, you got to back off and make him come through you because he'll just make you look sick. And the other thing is, and I really wonder what happens in the offseason because of this. Evander Kane has twelve goals in eleven playoff games. He's a UFA at the end of the season. I mean, he fits like a glove with Connor McDavid. This is like this is when we, when they traded Taylor Hall, we all wondered like what would Taylor Hall have done if he had gotten a chance to play with Connor McDavid? Look at what Evander Kane is doing. When you put a good skilled player with Connor McDavid, I mean, he can make him into an, just a an all universe type of player. And Connor McDavid right now is playing on another level. Unbelievable. Him. Yeah, it's he's unbelievable. the best. He- Best player in the playoffs. Yeah. You can talk about Evander Kane with with his 12 goals. Yeah. But Connor McDavid is put this team on his back, and he is doing things in this playoffs that are just absolutely remarkable. And that's been the knock on him. Well, he doesn't do it in the playoffs. Well, guess what? Do it in the playoffs now. He is damn good. But here's my question, and here's a couple of things. One, Evander Kane. You brought up him. I don't know if he's changed the way he is in the locker room. I don't know if he's changed the way he is as a teammate. I've heard some difficulties and horror stories along the way. But right now in the playoffs, if you're scoring 12 goals in 11 games, you put up with a lot of shit. No one cares about all of that periphery. Games 1 through 82, it can seep in and make your life really long and miserable. But right now, no one cares. So having said that, great on Evander Kane. I hope he's got his, his everything in order and things are going great for him. What I struggle with is how... At game four, how is how is Calgary not adjusted how they're defending against Connor McDavid and Evander Kane? How has there not been an adjustment? How is there not? And I'll tell you this: if 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 I'm in the coaching room against Connor McDavid, my only mission, 
the only mission against the Edmonton Oilers, and it could spend an hour of my hour and a half teaching tapes, is stop Connor McDavid. Stay above Connor McDavid. I don't care if we're in the offensive zone trying to score. Somebody stay with Connor McDavid because when that turnover happens, he's going the other way. They're going to get a two-on-one, and Evander Kane is going to score. I know it's hard to do. I know it's hard. He's incredibly fast, but he can't get his up to his maximum speed if he doesn't have a lane to go in. Get above Connor McDavid. And Calgary failed to do that again in game four. I was watching the game, and they have opportunities through the neutral zone to get a player just get in his way, and they didn't do it. That frustrates me. The second thing that frustrates me is you've seen the ability for Mike Smith to offensively take control of this game and get pucks out of their zone on Calgary's forecheck. We've seen it over and over and over to the point that it's like, what the, get the puck away from Mike Smith. Like it's game four for Christ's sake, dump it in the corner, soft chip it, or guess what? Try to carry the puck in the zone. Stop giving Mike Smith the puck. I, I, I don't understand how that isn't, that isn't in big red marker in the front of their locker room. Keep the puck away from Smith because here's two things with Mike Smith. He loves to play the puck. He loves it. It's he, he might get more enjoyment out of making a great pass than a great save. That's how much he wants to get involved in the play. <laughs> and when he cannot get involved and get to pucks in the corner, he wants to so badly that he is going to go after pucks and skate for pucks that he can't get to you. I'm telling you, I've seen it. He yeah, wants to be so involved. On the yeah. offensive side of the game, and when he can't, he'll make mistakes. Keep the puck away from Mike Smith. Because when he gets into a game offensively, he gets into it defensively, and he has been lights out. He's been a difference maker uh, on the defensive side of this puck. I still think Calgary has some firepower. We just haven't seen it because they're not having the puck in the offensive zone long enough. They need to get the pucks low to high, back to their defense. There's no room in front of the net, and they keep trying to jam it there. They keep trying to get the Kachuk and Goudreau and Mangiapane inside the blue paint. No room. Get the puck to your defenseman, which causes the Edmonton Oilers defenders to come out more. Now you've got room. They need to get the puck from low to high, extend the zone to get more room underneath. Those three things have to happen if Calgary wants to have a chance to get back in the series. I don't think they are. I, I think Edmonton wins. I can't wait for the Western Conference final, whether it's if it's Edmonton and, and Colorado or even Edmonton and St. Louis. It's going to be unbelievable. And also, Craig, I know you have in the past read out loud on this show um, a lead by Dom Lushushkin. Did I say it correctly? Lushushin. Lushushin. Okay, so he has an article today and the headline is Connor McDavid is putting on one of the most dominant playoff performances we've ever seen. And this is the lead. Connor McDavid is in God mode. There are plenty of other ways to describe it from he looks like he's in his own personal beer league to he can literally do whatever he wants out there. But godly feels the most apt. We are all mere mortals bearing witness to an ascent toward a previously unfathomable level of excellence. If the rest of the NHL is here on earth, Connor McDavid is in another universe right now. In these playoffs, he has simply been otherworldly. Yeah. I felt like that captured it very well and very well written. So, but Leah, you brought up something interesting. You talked about the next round and if it's Edmonton, St. Louis. Do you know if it's Edmonton and St. Louis, I will have three of the first four picks wrong in our in our second round preview show. Why do you guys keep allowing me to talk? 
school. Clearly, it's not nothing. just you. We all have picked wrong, and, and yeah. And Craig reached out to the league and asked when the last time all four division winners were in the conference finals, and they said, "What? Would they say, Craig, that it had never happened? It happened, and it's not going to happen again this year because Florida's out. The NHL expanded past two divisions in 1974-75." And in all that time, we've never had four division winners in the final four. That's amazing to me. And that's just a statement about parity in the NHL. Because I'm certain if we flipped over to the NBA, you could find multiple instances where you had four division winners. It's just how the NHL works. But the fact that it's never happened, that's crazy. Please remind me of that next year when we're making our picks. Oh, I'm, I'm flipping a coin. I'm not even going to put in this kind of thought and effort. I'm just bringing a coin to the studio, and I'll do way better. I have to do better. Like, this is just embarrassing. Good yeah. Lord. But I, I guess the, the, none of these series are over yet. Um, well, I guess Tampa Bay is. I still think Colorado <laughs> is the better team. I'm just worried now that there is doubt, that, and yeah. that concerns me. With Colorado, I still think they're the better team. I still think they'll win the series. I think they still have the better offensive players. I still think they could defend. And now you talk about the Sam Girard injury, how paramount that injury is right now. If he's in that lineup and not Johnson, is there a difference in this series? Eric Johnson makes a big, big mistake. Who knows? Listen, I'm not a big Eric Johnson fan anyway. He's one of those guys that I think maybe coaches fall in love with because of the things he does, like blocking shots. Blocking shots, yeah. Too horrible. Two horrible plays in coverage. Two horrible plays in coverage. I am going to listen to DNVR show as soon as we're off the air here to see how they reacted to this post game last night. I am. Yep. And we'll continue to, uh, I mean, we have been keeping tabs on the NHL playoffs and we'll continue to dedicate entire episodes to it because it's just so fun. (laughs) And one day, hopefully the Coyotes will be making a run like this, but not for a few years here one more NHL bit of news um, before we wrap up the Montreal Canadiens the Arizona Coyotes brethren at the bottom of the standings this season looks like they intend to keep Marty St. Louis which doesn't really come as a surprise to me yeah I mean I guess they showed some progress at the end of the season so I I don't know like to me like Montreal's in a rebuild now right they're they're admitting that they're in a rebuild so Okay, go run, yeah. run with Marty San Louis for a while. So what? Like, does does that mean he's going to be the coach when they come out of it? Mm, no, probably not. Yeah. I, again, are we surprised? I think that 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 was probably the the right choice at the right time for this team. Again, not surprised. And he's going to be a guy that's learning how to coach on the job. It's a little on the job training, and and what better place to do it in when your team's in last? Like there's no no literal place to go but up, and if you don't go up, you get a chance at Connor Bedard. So that's a win win. I, I I think there's very little pressure on him. I think it's just to get his guys to perform, play well, and if you see individual strides, it's a lot of the same comparisons we give to Andre Turnier and how he's evaluated here in Arizona. Keep the guys happy, see some individual improvements. Great. I mean, I, 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 again, not surprised that this was the decision that Montreal went with at this time in their rebuild. Absolutely. 
Well, before we head out, I want to remind everybody to become a member today at gophnx.com. Sign up for an annual membership and get a shirt when you sign up or try out month to month to get your first month for just 50 cents. There's some exciting stuff coming behind the paywall. There's going to be some video, some video breakdown on prospects. And Craig and Petey have been doing some stuff behind the scenes, talking to some very familiar faces. Um, So those will be available behind the paywall as well well we'll communicate that further down the road and craig has a second installment of his scouting series craig yeah uh daryl Polandowski. i figured i'd start you know i I had the first story sort of more of an overview uh last sunday and now it's time to take a look at the guy that's been charged with being the director of this entire program and i've I've written about daryl Polandowski before so going to give a little bit of a different look with this feature. You mentioned Tampa being out of the playoffs, or not, not out of the playoffs, done with their series. There's a, a little sort of a rest period for the organization and allow me the opportunity to talk with Al Murray, who is the director of amateur scouting there, to get a deeper sense of Daryl. They worked side by side together. Um, so that's going to be a part of this story. It's 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 It would be an overstatement to say, oh, look, Daryl Plandowski built the Tampa Bay Lightning. No, it, it's, it's a huge staff that gets that done. It's not just the scouting staff. It's development staff. It's a lot of people. But as Al Murray said, Daryl Plandowski's uh, fingerprints run as deep on the current roster that's making a run for a three-peat as anybody out there. He, he said he was basically, you know, you call him the head amateur scout while he was here, but he was basically my co-director. That's how much we just shared the, uh, the duties. So feature coming up on Daryl Plandowski on Friday. Really looking forward to reading that one. And I mean, we talked about it with Craig Button yesterday, those those glimmers of hope for Coyotes fans. So it's great to see. And, you know, that's looking toward the future, looking a little bit to the past. Uh, on my drive into the office today, I listened to episode three of the story podcast. And oh, my God, like I literally I. I made a couple stops on my way in and both times I stopped, I like had to sit in my car for five extra minutes listening. Like I couldn't pause it because it was, I was so into what was going on. And even though as a longtime Coyotes fan, I knew the story loosely, like there's things in episode three that I had no idea about. Kirsten talks to the sources firsthand. You're hearing their voices and it's just an unbelievable story, an unbelievable episode. And if you haven't listened to or subscribed to the story, wherever you get your podcasts, do so now. It's an unbelievable um, series and there's more to come on lots of other topics. So it's just the start. Kirsten's an amazing storyteller. And that's one of the things that PHNX and I, I know we'll toot our own horn again, but you do not get the coverage literally anywhere in the state of Arizona or across this bright nation about the Arizona Coyotes than you do at PHNX. Nowhere. And I am Cheerston's Cheerston's the story is phenomenal content that even if people lived it and were close to it, it's still information that they don't know. And Craig's articles, if it happens, you're gonna read about it here. And no one is talking about coyote hockey right now but us. There, that was our plug. Sorry. Love it. Any final notes before we head out? Yeah, one more thing. Just real brief because I know everybody's we got stuff to do. It, we talk about these playoffs being extended, and it's exciting for us because we get to watch another game, and that's fun. Did, it, did you guys watch TNT last night? And and they were talking about Paul Bissonette packed and his, his stuff. So he's going home. If 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 Colorado wins last night, Rick Tockett, Paul Bissonette, they're going home. 
they go home until the next series starts. So they're home because the other TNT series was Tampa. That's done. They could be they could be sitting at home for the next three or four days, you know, at home, getting their dry cleaning done and on all of their chores. But nope, lose it in overtime. Got to unpack and a couple more days in Atlanta. So <laughs> something tells me someone else is doing their dry cleaning, though, Petey. You think so? Yeah, you don't, you, don't think, you don't think Rick Todd has a drop in his dry cleaning off? No, <laughs> maybe not. Oh maybe man! Not. But so we have it made. We just get to watch another game on TV. So I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, love it. Well, we'll be back again live tomorrow at 11 a.m. on the PHNX Sports YouTube channel. So subscribe and hit the notification bell if you haven't already. Also, if you haven't yet listened to our interview with Craig Button yesterday, it's up on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. So give it a listen. A lot of unbelievable insight into the upcoming NHL draft and prospects and who the Coyotes could pick and, you know, get familiar with some names. Uh, It was a great, great interview. And as always, please like and subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at PageNex underscore Coyotes. We are dangerously close to me having to eat fake maple syrup. People have been tweeting bottles of Kroger and sugar-free nonsense and... 24 followers. Oh, I am nauseous. Nauseous! But because I love PHNX underscore Coyotes on Twitter... I want you all to follow. So please do if you haven't done so already. And I promise you, I will make good on the promise. Unlike Petey, who has for months been putting off his dance, but that's okay because no, I know I'll do it again coming. here for everybody on audio. Here it is again. <laughs> there it was. What'd you think? I'm pretty good. You know, I would, you know what I would encourage people to do? You know, we're, we're going to get 24 more followers really soon. And, and Leah will drink that. Maple syrup. Drink. I thought we were putting oh, it on food. Did I say drink? I'll drink I'm it. In. I'm in. Eat. Uh, yeah. Anyway, keep chirping, Petey. Keep yeah, chirping, Petey, enough. that he hasn't done his dance yet. I want people to keep reminding Petey <sighs> that he hasn't, hasn't paid his debt yet. Yes. That's fair. Tweet it at him fair. and uh, message us in the members only Discord as well. Um, so thank you everyone so much for listening. Like I said, we'll be back tomorrow. And until then, have a great rest of your Thursday.